Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. How you guys doing? Enjoying this bright, shiny sunshine and weather? Liquid joy is what we call it, right? It's from an Oklahoma. From an Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So, Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for just your faithfulness. Thank you for the sunshine and the blessings of, of your sunshine and just for us to get to enjoy who you are and what you are in our, in our lives. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the sunshine. To a point, and so I'm so thankful for for when it, when it's out. This time of year is like, like um, for us, it's harvest time, and it, usually it's like when you see farmers there. That's when they get their weed in and get get their crops in. Or for ranchers, that's where they're haying. And thank God for sunshine, because with all that rain, now there's going to be a lot of hay out there which we needed very desperately. So, so I was just thinking about that and how we go through seasons in our lives. And these seasons in our lives, we, we, we're like, well, you know, this season seems like it's just getting by, getting by, getting by. Some seasons we're sowing, and then some seasons we're tending what we sowed, right? And then uh, finally we get to a place where we're reaping a harvest. And, and I was just thinking about that yesterday and um when it gets real real hot my wife likes the rivers and so we can like we got this really nice house but we don't have air conditioning like who would put who would not put air conditioning in a nice house it's just like like i'm from oklahoma like like if you had a cardboard hut you would have an air conditioner in it you'd you'd have like an air conditioner or a water cooler like some of you guys may not know what a water cooler is but it's like this fan and you got to put water in the bottom and it uses the water to to cool the air and then it shoots in there it's not an air conditioner it just like cools the air a little they call them swamp coolers man and then the problem with swamp coolers is i remember going outside and um we weren't fancy enough where you had the automatic ones where where it would like squirt itself so we had to go out with the water hose and squirt it down and fill it up and and so I remember the problem with, with water, heat, and those swamp coolers is bees like to make their nest in those things. <laughs> so it would be getting really hot. And so my, and it was my job. Like, I'm the oldest kid, and I'm, I'm the, the, the boy. And so, so get out there, get water. It's getting hot. And I'm like, Dad, there's bees out there. Just bees. Just, just kill them. Do something. And I was like... So I remember dodging bees, trying to get water on there. Then I'd go in, sat down, and then about the time I sat down, it was getting hot again. So I'd have to go back out there again, you know. And it seemed like there was no end to it, right? And so, um, but I was just thinking, man, the things we suffer with now, right? And so I talked to my sister, and she, she's like, I was like, it's really hot. And it was only like 88. And, and she's like, how hot is it? And I was like, it's 88. And she said, said Brother, we'll get our winter coats out at 88. What's the matter with you? Suck it up, you know? And I was like, okay, okay, I get, I get it. But um, So I just think about 
the harvest season, though, and all that stuff brings good memories to me. And it brings stuff about family and about... But I really feel like um, we stopped and got a burger and we went to the river. I love the river, man. Because the river's cold. We went up by, by the mountains. And you get in the water, like, it hurts your bones. It's so cold, right? And so where, where I'm from, though, you hop in the river and it feels like a sauna, right? You also cannot see in the water, so you're just hoping there's not like a water moccasin or, or something in the bottom, so you're just, but it's cold enough, you're just gonna hop in there like you can't see, but this water's cold and it's fresh and it's flowing, so cold, and so you can get in the water, and I can get in for about 10 seconds and I'm out, because like my bones ache, you know? They're, they're like, it's not that bad, and then I'm like, oh no, it's not that bad. It's awful it's horrible because you soak down and so anyway there just the difference in it but i really as we stopped and got a burger i was thinking about this and um i was like man it's harvest it's harvest time because it's been a really long long um winter for for um for us in the in the um ranching and farming world and um like, I don't know if a lot of people know how hard this winter actually was on everyone. And so, but now I'm seeing the hay come in. And I'm seeing the, all those hardships that, that you go through. Now I'm seeing, you know what, now it's harvest. And like some of those fields are, because of all the rain, are producing a better yield than, than you would think. So where everyone's thinking recession even in the fields, like there's no recession, God's going to do an abundance. And so I'm excited to see hay coming out. I'm excited to see stuff coming out, but I really feel like it's harvest time. And so, and as I was thinking about harvest, I'm sitting there eating a burger and this pickup pulls up and I was like, that sucker's in our way. Like it just, just irritate me. Does anything ever irritate you? And I was like, just move. Why are you parked there? Get out of our way. We need the shade. We need this. We need that. And so I looked down and on the license plate, it says harvest. And I was like, okay, God. Sometimes you've got to get on our way a little bit to tell us, you know what, maybe the world says it's recession. Maybe the world says that, that it's going to go down. Maybe the, kind of, it's kind of silly, we're going to raise interest rates uh, so to try to get us out of recession. It's actually going to cause a recession, and then they'll drop them back down and say, we got they got us out of a recession. And we're all going to go, Yay! Good job, when actually, if we could just trust God and not people, we'd know that God's for us and God's going to make a way for us and he's not going to play with things. He's solid. I guarantee you, he's not in heaven worrying, oh my goodness, there's a recession. What are we going to do? Or this or that. And there's no recession in heaven in his kingdom, so we can trust him in all those things. But it's harvest time, and it's time for us to rest in that. And I really believe that in, in all my heart. Now, as a NAM missionary, one of the we have three core principles that, that they taught us when, when we were going through our orientation. And in those there's some principles that stuck with me because I think we really need some core principles in our lives. And um, three of those principles were um, restoration, brotherhood, and multiplication. And those are some of the three things that I've really tried to make core values in my life. And I thought, you know what? Because we need some core values. What do we lean on when everything's falling apart around us or, or to make things go forward in the future? 
is we need values. We, have, we all have these values. What are these values based on? And so, like, our first one should be restoration. There, it's a, it's a no-brainer no to me because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. It says, says he gave his Son for what? For the world. For God so loved the what? The world. Like, like he didn't come, he, for God so loved the Christians. No, he didn't say that. Or, for, or um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that only the good people. No, that whosoever. So, so this whole book is about Jesus, and this whole book about Jesus is about restoration, and it begins with restoration. And so I was um, reading in here, and God really put on my heart um, to start talking about some of these core principles because um, it's kind of what makes us tick. And so restoration is the first up that I want to talk about because that's what Jesus is. He is restoration. He's not just a restorer. He is restoration itself, just like God is love. The Bible says love is kind, love is, love is good, love is all these things when you're reading there. What, really, what it says, the Bible says God is love. So you can put God in there. You can't separate God from love, and you can't separate God from restoration. And his restoration isn't, isn't like, I'm just going to bring you back to like you were. He's like, I'm going to bring you back better than you were. And so, and it's not just restoration. One of the things is Christ in us, the hope of glory, that changes our life and that restores us from the inside out. But as that restores us, that gives us the ability to help restore other people. It also restores the things around us and, and the people that we're around. And God will put us in, in situations and places where we can actually reach out to people and help people. I remember um, several years ago we had planted a, a cowboy church and we'd been like five years. We didn't even take a Sunday or any day off. Like we were just tired. And so Linda had got this vintage camper and um, she named it Clarabelle. <laughs> and, and we had a million kids so we only had like this old suburban car that actually we got given to us because our minivan that we had had for years had, had broke down. And so we had this old, it was a 95 Suburban, but, man, we got like 350,000 miles out of that sucker. You know, it was just awesome. So we hooked Clarabelle up to, to um, Kermit. It was green, same as Kermit. <laughs> and so, like, I'm not doing any ministry this weekend. And we're like, we're not praying for someone? We're, we're, we're not even praying over our food. We're done, right? And so we're, you know, shooting up. We were going over to, um, off of uh, KOA off of Icicle Creek in Leavenworth, and we had, we were just like so excited to get there. And we're driving up the, the um, pass, and Stevens Pass, and the, um, car starts chugging and then the smoke stuff starts coming out the front uh, of Kermit and I was like oh Linda's like we better slow down or we're not going to make the the pass top of the pass and I was like slow down we're going to slam this sucker or we're not going to make it and so 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 she's like slow down like slow and trying like trying to get me to slow down I'm like no we're punching and anyway somehow we got to the top and there's just smoke flying everywhere and so here we are, we're parked 
on the top of the pass and the radiator blew. So we are on our vacation. We had enough money to go here and do our thing, do, to have our fun trip. And that was it, right? We had our youngest daughter and three dogs on top of that. And so we're stuck on the top of the pass and it is hot. And I'm complaining. <laughs> like, this is not how I planned this. God, I thought you loved me. Like, God, we're supposed to have a vacation. This is supposed to, anybody ever do that? It's like I'm opening, opening up the, the top of, or the, what do you call the things, the hood? <laughs> you can see I'm mechanical. I open up the hood, and I'm just sitting there just like, why me, God? Why, you must hate me. And so I'm sitting here, I was like, can't you send somebody to help me? And about that time, a pickup truck pulls in right in front of me. And this guy gets out, and he's like, hey, do you need some help? And I was like, do I look like I need help? Like I'm stuck on the side. Do you have water? Do you have anything? And he's like, are you mechanical? And I was like, do I look mechanical? <laughs> like I've just had enough right now. And Linda's like, no, he's not mechanical. We really, really need your help. He don't know. He can barely drive. And I worry about that sometimes, you know? And, and so we're sitting there and he, he looks at it and he goes, this is your problem. And he showed us the hole in the Radiator, and we're like, yeah, great, what do we do? And he goes, well, you got to get down, and you're going to need a new radiator. And I was like, oh, great. And so he's like, I'll tell you what. He goes, I'll pull, um, I'll put some water in, in, in your Suburban, and um, then I'll follow you down. I'll take your trailer, and we'll go down the mountain. And I'm like, you know, this day got bad, but it could get really bad if I let a stranger hook onto my wife's, precious vented trailer and go down it's like I'll tell you what I'll ride with you and so we hooked on and followed down and <clears throat> he was driving down and he's like you know he goes this is the weirdest thing he's like I was driving over this mountain and he goes um, I've been with my girlfriend for eight years and she broke up with me last week and he said I've just been distraught and he's like I got a kid, and he's like, I'm not going to get to see him, and I don't think I have any hope in life. So I told, I told God, I said, when I get over that mountain, if you don't have a way to stop me, I'm going to drive off a cliff, and I'm going to kill myself. And he said, I pulled up over there, and I saw you guys stuck. And he's like, all I could think about was I need to help these guys. And I was like, God, this was not the deal. <laughs> I'm supposed to be off. Like, don't you get it? I'm off. This is my vacation. And God says, you tell him. He's like, I've got a plan for his life. It's not a coincidence that you're broke down. And so I just started talking to him and encouraging him. And he just sat there and just sobbed all the way down. And we got down to the bottom of the hill. And he's like, look, I'll take you to the KOA camp. And he took us to the KOA camp. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to buy you a new radiator, and I'm going to put it in. And so he put it in, bought the radiator, put it in, sat there and talked with us almost the whole weekend, and ended up hooking back up with this church. Ended up getting restored with, with, with his girlfriend, and God did a really good work in his life. God restored something to him. And now that I look back on it, I think, 
What if I hadn't broke down? Sometimes we think those things that are there to hurt us are really not there to hurt us. And sometimes those things aren't there just for us. Like we're thinking about us. Like I was thinking, it was really uncomfortable for me, but God's like, you know what? You're a son, and guess what? As a son, we need to help another son, someone else. And guess what happened? He did it, and God turned it out. We got a better, like a real heavy-duty radiator, and it ran. Like that, I see it. We sold that. Actually, we pretty much gave the, that Suburban away, and that sucker's still driving around. We still see it all over Arlington, you know? It's just a tough car, right? But God just blessed us and, and, and took care of us and took care of someone else along the way. He restored someone who was at the point that where, you know what? I can't go another day. Now, is that a coincidence? No, that's just how big God is. He still made me work, but, but it made me realize ministry's a job, but sonship is my life. So, so I'm never off from being a son. I'm never off from being able to bless people. I'm never off being able to reach into people's life and want to see them restored, right? In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 1, it says this. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard. This just always blows me away because I read, and it says, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard. Do you ever feel like in your life that you have guards around you? Do you ever feel like in your life that you're confined and that there's no hope and that, that you're imprisoned in a situation or imprisoned in a mindset or imprisoned in something else? And, and here, Jeremiah was literally in prison. He was confined in the courtyard of the guard. And that's where God found him. You're never in too hard of a place that God can't reach you. You're never in too hard of a place that God can't come to you. You're never in too hard of a place where God can't find you and love you and bring you out. The song is like, he, he, brought my, he brought me out of the miry clay. He put my feet on the rock to stay, man. All of us were in miry clay at one time. All of us had no hope at one time. Sometimes we still go through situations that seem hopeless, but that's a lie because we have hope living inside us and his name is Jesus. We have a hope that's greater than anything that is going on in the world if we can just learn to trust him. Right? So here, here's Jeremiah and he's confined in the courtyard and then it says of the guard and the word of the Lord came to him a second time. And it says this, this is what the Lord says, he who made the earth the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. I love this. Because he's saying, this is what the Lord says. And he said, just in case you want to know who I am, he's like, I'm the one who made this earth. You know that courtyard that you're confined in? It wouldn't even be here if I hadn't created the stuff that needed for it to be here. You know that air that's coming across? That wouldn't be here without me. You know the stars in the sky, if you can look up and see them, or, or the trees of the field? I created that. I'm the one who done it. In fact, I'm the one who created you, Jeremiah. 
He says, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. He's saying, you know what? You might be confined right now in, in the physical, but you're not confined in the spirit. And as long as you're not confined in the spirit, there is nothing in this physical realm that can hold you. There's no situation that is impossible. It may feel hopeless. It may feel like there's no hope. But I'm telling you, there is hope. This is harvest time. This is restoration time. God is wanting to do a work in each and every one of our lives. But He's not going to do it. He's not just saying, hey, I'm going to start from the outside. He's like, I'm going to start from the inside. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water and out of out of our own lives god's going to bless us and we're going to see things come into our lives and bless us but it's going to start because we have him inside of us not because we're cool and not because we're smart and not because we're good and not because we have it all together when i got called out um i got a call several years ago and um we went to this um some people that went to our our church and the, um, her horse was colicking, and her husband was there. And, and her husband was a rough guy, man. He, he, he was an alcoholic. He didn't even believe in God. And, and um, just tough, tough guy. But I really liked him. He was a good-hearted man, you know. And so she's like, I, I'm at work, and I don't know what to do. And she calls Linda, and she's like, like can James go help, help him? And I was like, we'll call the vet, man. We don't have the money for the vet. And I was like, oh man, I'll go out and I'll see. And I hope it's not colic. And so if a horse colics, they get impacted. And if they get impacted, they can't, can't go to the bathroom. If they can't go to the bathroom, their gut twists, and then they'll die. And so what they do is they roll, lay down and they roll over, and then it starts twisting. And so you've got to keep them up and keep them moving until you can get them over that belly ache. And so I went out, and sure enough, the horse is colicking and had no gut sound and I was sitting there, um, I was sitting there looking at him. I was like, "Man, we got to get a vet out because you you need to get the vet to clean that sucker out." And he's like, "I we have no money. Like we are broke, broke, broke. Like I barely have enough gas to get home. Like broke." And I was like, "Man, well let's just keep it up." And so I'm with him about an hour, and we're walking around. That horse starts dropping and getting up, and I was like, "Man, this horse is gonna die." We're going to lose this horse, and it, its gums were starting to turn purple, and I was like, this horse is done for it. And he's getting frustrated, and he, he's popping his beers, drinking his beers, smoking like 18 cigarettes because he's just so so worried. Sitting there, and he, he go, goes, wait a second. You're a pastor. He's like, why don't you pray? And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know? He's like, you send the pastor out to me and all he's telling me is to get a vet and how to do all these natural things. Like, like why don't you pray? And I, I was like, okay. And so we got the horse up and we're standing there and, and God spoke to me and he says, don't you pray for this horse. It's his horse. You tell him to pray. And I'm like, God, he's a heathen. <laughs> he don't even believe in you. He don't even like you. Why would I let him pray for this horse? This horse is going to die. And God says, let him pray. I love him. I was like, whoa, you love him? Because see, my theology always said, you know what? God will only answer your prayers if you're good enough. 
He'll only answer your prayers if you dot all these I's and cross all these C's. He'll only answer your prayers if you're on church every Sunday, which he does help us. But, you know, I hope you do come to church every Sunday if you're out there, right? That's good. But, but he'll only answer your prayers if you're perfect or if you're this or if you're that, right? All based on what you are. And I, was, I had this mindset that, well, I can't pray for this. I, I, I can't have him pray for this because this horse is done. And so I was like, okay. So I looked at him, and he's, he's panicked. He's like, he loves this horse. And, and, and I was like, like okay, um, I'll tell you what. You pray. It's your horse. It's like, I can't pray. What do you want me to pray? I'm a heathen. What do you mean you want me to pray? And I was like, you pray. It's your horse. I ain't praying. I was like, you pray, and I'll agree with you. But... I'm not praying for this horse. And he's like, what do I do? And I was just say, Father, I thank you that you love me. And because you love me, you're going to heal this horse. And he's like, okay. He's like, can you help me with that? And I was like, yeah. And so he sets his cigarette down in the dirt. Didn't put it out because he didn't have enough money to buy a bunch more. Set his beer down. And he's drunk. Like, drunk. He walks up and he puts his hand on the horse. And he says, what do I say? And I said, just say this, Father, I know that you love me. And because you love me. I trust you to heal my horse. And he did. And for a minute, that horse went (laughs) like this and started to go down. And I was like, oh, my God, I knew it. He's a heathen. He killed the horse. God's going to strike him down. That wasn't God. That was a pizza I ate that was talking to me. And the horse stood up, went to the bathroom, and walked off completely well. And he became sober completely at once. And he's like, did that just happen? And I was like, I don't know. I was kind of expecting the horse to die. <laughs> and that horse walked off completely well. And he looked at me, and I was able to, I was like, you know what? God didn't heal that horse. Because you're good enough. God healed that horse because he loves you. And he wants to do something great in your life. You know what? I was expecting him to fall down on his knees and give his heart to Jesus right there. It didn't happen that way. But you know what did happen is God impacted his life in a way that I never could have. See, I don't know if he ever gave his heart to to Jesus. But I do know this. God got his attention that day. God healed a horse. And I seen a man go from slobbering drunk to sober just like that. And I'll never forget that day in my life. And it changed my theology from thinking, wait a second, God didn't heal that horse because he knew him. Because he said he knew him. He did know him. He hadn't even said the, the prayer. Like he didn't, he didn't walk down an aisle. And he prayed and God answered his prayer. That dude coming over the mountain saying, you know what? God, if you don't talk to me, guess what? If something don't happen, I'm going to drive off of a cliff. Man, he wasn't in no spot where he earned what God wanted to do. And God heard him. He didn't hear him because he was good. He hears him because he's good. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that all of us, have, we don't measure up in our own on the outside in the flesh, but in the spirit. We're made in the image as sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
And God's out there and he's calling the people and he's saying, look, your sons, I died for you. Jesus already died for them. He doesn't have to wait. And he's like, they're walking down the aisle to get saved or whatever, getting ready to say the sinner prayer somewhere. He's like, wait, hold on a second. Jesus got to go jump on the cross again and die for you. The cross was so powerful. Jesus' finished work was so powerful that once and for all, He died for every sin that was ever committed and ever will be committed. Anyone that you think is horrible, Charlie Manson, Hitler, Mao, any of those guys, all they had to do was say, Lord Jesus, I accept the payment that you paid for me, even though it was so atrocious. That's all they would have had to do because the cross was that powerful. It made a difference. It's not just something that, that we get to celebrate on Easter and Resurrection Sunday because it's like something we do. It's something that, that made something available to us every day of our lives, every second, every minute. The cross made a difference. It made the difference because we, we had no hope without him. We had no hope until he come along. Remember Moses, and they're going through the desert and they need water, right? And so, but the water's bitter. And so what did Jesus do? Or what did, they, what did they, God tell Moses to do? He said, throw, throw, some, throw a piece of wood in the water. When you do, it'll become sweet. What does that represent? That represents Jesus. That represents the cross. What about when they're going through, through the, the desert and all these snakes are biting them? And he says, I want you to take a serpent. I want you to put it up on a pole. And anyone who is bit will look up on that and they will be healed. What is that representation? What does that represent? They didn't just do that so we could have a sign to go on our ambulances. You know, we didn't need a logo. I mean, I know with all the, what do you call those little picture things they're selling today that are worth lots and lots of money, you know, you can sell that stuff. He didn't do that because he's trying to make money and stick logos on places. It made a difference. It's, it's about the cross. This whole book is about Jesus and it's about the cross and it's about the finished work. And it's about God saying, you know what? You are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and I want to restore you to who you really are. He's like, I got a great plan for you. He's like, I got a great plan for this church. I got a great plan for every kid that's going to be coming through here. I got a great plan for this whole community. I got a great plan for Africa, for Kenya. Right? I love that song, song by Toto, that Africa song. You know, I'd sing it right now, but you guys would run me off if I sing too much, right? But God loves everyone. And He wants to restore them back to who they really are and do it from the inside out. And He wants to change our lives change the lives of everyone around us. I don't care how hopeless it looks. God's God away. Because he tells, he tells Jeremiah this. He says, call to me. And if I'm home, I'll answer you. Otherwise, it's going to go to the recording. 
Hello, this is God. I'm busy in, in Saudi Arabia. I will call. Please leave a message, and I will get back to you. Is that what he says? No. Call to me, and if the phone's busy, or my secretary. No? Call to me, and I will. I will. You know what he's saying? I got to call to me, man. Call me. I'll answer you. I'm the one you can talk to. I will personally. I'm the one who created the earth, who formed it, who created the stars and the universe and everything in it. He says, and I want to talk to you. If you don't know something, call me. I think I might know the answer. He's given his qualifications. Call me. That's another rock song, man. I listen to too many 80s rock songs. <laughs> Call me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know the one who is everything. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus connects us to our Father, to our source, and we have the Holy Spirit flowing in and through us. And there's hope for any situation, for anything that you're going through. There is hope. Because see, when Jesus died on that cross, He died. And, and all these to-do lists, really they're not just to-do lists, but they're to-don't lists. Like, don't do this, don't do that, don't. Really, they got nailed to that cross with Jesus. And when we died with Him, the Bible says that we were crucified with Christ. Therefore, we no longer live, but it's Him who lives within us. And so we're crucified. Man, that list is done. Now we live out the life, right? Now we live out our life through love and through restoration because He restored us. We restore everyone around us that we know. We can get mad at people. We can like... We have a tendency at, at, to be legalistic sometimes as believers. And when people mess up or people have a problem, we want to wipe them out. Like, is this too real? I mean, even, even Christians. Like, let's forget the world. Let's get the house right first. Let's get, maybe not this church. This is the greatest church I've ever been around, right? But I've been around Christians and around places where they will cut your head off in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, I died for that person. It's about restoration. Not a crucifixion. The crucifixion doesn't happen. Who are you going to believe in? Who are you going to trust? You're going to allow Him to restore you. Restore people around you. Even the ones we and watch what he does. Amen? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.